0: Good morning, Hayden Bible Church. Are you rejoicing today? Praise the Lord. Let's go to him. Father, what a blessing it is to be saints washed by the blood. Lord, with new hearts, born fresh. Lord, with the Holy Spirit working in us to rejoice. Thank you, Lord, today for your word. Lord, thank you that we can go buy a Bible and have the wonderful revelation of God right in our hands. We thank you so much for this word today. We pray, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit would teach us. We, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to be our teacher. Come, Lord, open your wor- word to us. illuminate, it. Bring it to life, Lord, and we will rejoice. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start off this morning in our Bibles in Romans chapter 12. And as you're turning there, I'd like to remind you of a different passage um, that many of us have really endeared to our hearts. Uh, So while you're turning to Romans 12, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 2. Remember in Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter, he was... Uh, preaching Christ. He was preaching the word to Israelis in Jerusalem. And in a sense, he was showing Christ on the pages of the Old Testament from our perspective, showing that they had killed their Messiah. And remember, Peter proclaimed his famous statement in Acts 2.36. He said to the Jews, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, This Jesus whom you crucified. Death could not hold him. He is both Lord and Christ. He is Lord and Christ. And remember when they heard this, they were pierced in their hearts. And they said, what do we do? Peter said to them, repent each of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It turns out that all the people standing there, 3,000 of them, of all of the ones that were standing, 3,000 of them received the word and were baptized. Through the river of the water of the word flowing out of the indwelt temple, about 3,000 souls were added to the church as Peter preached the gospel of the kingdom. Notice what happened next with these people. The text says they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Devoted to fellowship and, and to breaking bread and to prayer. They had a sense of awe among them. They were blown away at what had happened to them in Christ. And God was authenticating the word that the apostles were, were preaching through signs and wonders that, that they were doing. These things Drastically changed the Christians' lives as they heard this message and came to life. Listen, they they weren't convinced that they could worship God just as, as well separating themselves from other Christians. Church for them wasn't walking in the woods. It wasn't going up on a mountain or watching a TV show or merely a YouTube video. Church for them wasn't a place to come to get a good coffee and watch a program. And certainly, they didn't go from church to church trying to find the place that was right for them or a good fit for their demographic. Instead of these things, they were together. They were devoted. They held their possessions loosely in their hands. They, they had intimate knowledge of those who were in need because they were committed to the saints and they knew each other. They were in proximity to one another. They they went to church together. They ate together. They were glad to be with each other. Their fellowship was sincere. There was no pretense, no grandstanding, no show-offs. They praised God. They were a light shining bright and they were having favor with all the people, the text says, and the Lord kept growing their number as more and more people got saved. They were devoted They were accountable, and they were serving. They were a healthy body of believers. This morning, we're continuing our series on God's church, zooming in a little bit closer to consider membership in God's church and each of our duties as we consider that membership. As citizens in the city of God, each of us who are born again will increasingly grow to exhibit the characteristics of our great head, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ himself, the head of the body, the captain of our city, has made us who live in the city citizens. He's made us members, another, to use another analogy, according to his mercy and grace, He's made us members via the cross of Christ and in the forgiveness of his blood by grace through faith, by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And we, as a church, we model that membership through our local affiliation, local membership. We model it as devoted and and accountable saints in God's household, serving and loving Him as we look outside of ourselves, serving Him as we serve one another. Let's see very clearly this morning that in the city of God, God's church is the one another city. This is the one another city. You know, one of the most threatening dangers to healthy church life is an inordinate self-interest. An introspective, morbid self-interest and self-focus that separates itself from others. Evaluating others with a critical spirit and finding that others fall short of your standards. A healthy church life is a life lived in the community of God's people. God has designed his church to be a one-another community, a membership community marked by, for example, people devoted to one another in brotherly love. People speaking the truth, the word of God, the truth to one another, forgiving one another, serving one another, submitting and yielding to one another. More on this later. But for now, it's imperative that I have a healthy view of church membership so that God's design for my devotion and my accountability and my service can be lived out rightly all to the glory of God. Let's take a look at the passage that you're at this morning. Romans 12, 3-5. Paul writes and he says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, In our theme song for the series, O Church, Arise, in the very first stanza, we sing the truth that Christ is our captain. He's the one leading our charge. He's the head. And you and I are members of his body. Christ is head. I'm not the head. None of us are the head. Christ is head just for some context in Romans chapter 12 the first 11 chapters of Romans is the is the most detailed and full and wonderful explanation of the glory of Christ in the gospel that's ever been penned anywhere and just prior to Paul's final crescendo of praise to God for this amazing plan of salvation and deliverance from the wrath of God through the gospel, Paul makes a sobering statement regarding God's purpose in his heart. Romans 11.32, he says, For God has shut up all in disobedience so that he might show mercy to all. In other words, everyone for all time is guilty before God and through this writing has been demonstrated to be guilty and deserving of the wrath of God and based on the law of God should be thrown into hell. In chapter 11, verse 32, God says that he has shut up All in disobedience. In essence, by proving everyone's sinful depravity, he's shut our mouths regarding our own self-proclaimed right standing and high personal merit before God. He's shut up all in disobedience for a purpose. And here's the purpose. So that he may show mercy to all, the text says. Without the mercy of God, there's no hope of salvation. No hope of right standing before God. So only by his mercy can we, Jew or Gentile, receive deliverance from his judgment. He has to show us our guilt so we can see. And so we can see that we need his mercy. Because all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be shown mercy. In fact, in Romans ten thirteen, Paul writes and says, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And as we transition into chapter 12 of Romans, where we're at today, we find that this salvation, this new citizenship in the city of God is manifested outwardly through a profound change in the life of the one saved. Your doctrine, your understanding of Christ and what he's done, Romans chapters 1 through 11, is lived out in real life. A change happens, Romans chapters 12 through 16. Just before our passage this morning, Paul writes that famous statement in, in Romans 12:1 and 2. He says, therefore, by the mercies of God, the same mercies I've been telling you about for 11 chapters, the same mercies through the cross that saved you from hell, as a result of those mercies, present your whole life to God as a living sacrifice. Give it all a well-pleasing sacrifice of your very life to Him. This is spiritual worship. And and remember, God is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and truth. And then in verse 2 of of chapter 12, He says, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not passively sit back and, and let the world mold you into whatever it deems best. By the way, some of us are Allowing ourselves to be molded by the world and it's hurting us. It's hurting our one another membership. Just so you know, it could be time to close your Facebook account. Maybe today. You're being molded and it isn't lovely. You're sinning. Could this be you? After this warning the apostle gives us against passivity, Paul writes one of the most important statements in the Bible. He says, instead of allowing yourself to be molded from the outside, manifesting the, the sinful and destructive tendencies of the world, for example, by the unkindness that maybe some of us are posting on our Facebooks, he says instead, be metamorphosized from the inside out. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let what's happened within you by the new birth, the new life of Christ living in you, let it be manifested outwardly as you live. He's speaking to you. Not all those other stupid people, you know, the ones that don't get it. He's speaking to you this morning and me. He's saying in verse three in our passage. He's saying, "For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound or sober judgment, as God has God has allotted to each a measure of faith." Some of us, some of us, are drunk with ourselves. And we bring our drunkenness into the fellowship and we run people over. It doesn't match our citizenship. The church is a one another city. And you and I, by the grace he's given to us, in the measure that he's given us that grace to produce the fruits that he's assigned to us, should never think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, the Bible says. Whatever we've received, we've received by the grace of God. By grace, God himself has allotted to each of us a measure of faith, and we're to serve in the body according to the measure that he's given us individually. The truth is, from our passage, that he's equipped each of us. He's, and he intends that we use our equipment to build up the body, not tear it down. We're a bride making ourselves ready. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes a key truth for us as we consider our membership and duties in the body this morning. In Ephesians four fifteen through 16, he, he writes, he says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the Proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. As a Christian, you are a citizen of the heavenly city, you have a purpose. A proper working as an individual part intended for you by God and through the grace given to you metered out by God. And your purpose is, and and, and you can see too that your purpose is primarily outside of yourself. This is the one another city, not the drunk with myself city. It's the sober city. Back to Romans 12 verse 4, Paul continues, he says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, let's pause there for a second. In this verse, Paul, he's making an analogy between our physical bodies and the the nature of God's church. He's saying that just like we have hands and, and feet and toes and eyes and elbows, many members that make up our bodies, connected together at the joints, moving and working, so with God's church. Each was given a purpose in the body according to his supply of grace. And and we're to serve that purpose through the proper working of each individual part. And just like with our personal bodies, not every part has the same function. But we do all have the same end purpose and the same end goal. Again, back from our passage, verses 4 and 5 together, he says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, all of us in Christ, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. This is where I want to focus the rest of our time this morning. First of all, we're members of christ 's body we 're members of christ 's body, members of the body, each of us is a body part in a sense, using paul 's analogy through the Gospel of Jesus Christ, you and I are counted as part of his body so let 's think about this membership for a minute as as Christians. We're members of the, of the corporate, throughout-time church, the ecclesia, the called-out assembly of believers that God is building, the spiritual organism of redeemed individuals making up His church. It's, it's the living city of God, the heavenly city, the city coming down out of heaven from God, the holy temple being constructed in the Lord, and each of us is one of its living stones being built together. Aligned to the cornerstone, Christ Himself. He's the cornerstone, to use that metaphor, and He's the head of the body, to use another. As born again Christians, you and I are citizens of this heavenly city, members of His body. How is it that we became members of His body? Well, first of all, we're members by His election. We're members by His election. Remember from Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 5, it says, Paul writes and says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. Remember as well from Romans chapter 9, he describes us as a church. He he says that we're vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand, even before creation, for glory. Even us, whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. Even in Hayden, vessels of mercy. We're members of his body by election. He's marked us out from even before the fall to be rescued from his just wrath through the cross of Christ. Why? according to the kind intention of his will. That's why. To the praise of the glory of his grace. That's why. By the way, it's okay to lift up your hands in praise when we sing songs here for that reason. Similarly, we're members of his body by baptism. Those of us this morning who are Christians have been baptized into Christ. Remember from Romans 6, Paul writes in verse 3, he says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Believers are fully immersed into Christ. No longer in Adam. We've died out of that realm. Now we're baptized into Christ. Again from Galatians 3 verse 27, it says, All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Clean now. Declared righteous in Him. Right standing before the throne of God above Christ is our strong and perfect plea. We're members not only by election and baptism, we're members by birth. We're members by birth. Peter knows of this truth when he writes in first Peter one, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Isn't that wonderful? The same mind-blowing new birth John tells about in John 1. He says, As many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God born of God you only become a member of the of his body a citizen of this heavenly city by new birth that's the only way it happens it's spiritual it's supernatural it happens to you you don't decide one day to join a church like you join a community group you're born into the living church of Christ by a supernatural, regenerating work of God's Holy Spirit. It happens to you. Paul, to Titus, in Titus 3.5, he says, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Our salvation, guys, is a work of God. It's initiated by God. It's responded to by granted repentance and faith. Next, we're members of the body by promise. By promise. Just like with the remnant Israel. In Romans 9, Paul tells us that it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. Children of promise. This goes clear back to the promise of Abraham, that through him and his seed, Christ, that he would be a blessing to the nations. And In fact, in the promise, God said to him, he said, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. I don't know if you tried to count dust before, but I... I think we get the idea that there's going to be a lot more uh, children of promise. A lot of Christians. and, And you and I have to work. We have a lot of work to do to share this good news. So, oh, Church, arise. Lastly, we're members by adoption. One of my favorite teachers, Sinclair Ferguson, wrote a book called Some Pastors and Teachers. He, tells, he, he writes about what's called the Reformed Doctrine of Sonship. He says there's no higher self-image that the Christian can have and no doctrine which will more readily help him or her enjoy the life of faith as this doctrine of adoption or sonship. In Galatians 4, the, the Apostle Paul gives those of us standing solely on Christ for our salvation the wonderful news that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Romans 8 agrees. Paul writes to the saints, he says, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading uh, to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. As a member of the body, a citizen of this heavenly city, it's no longer a situation like like being an employee with an employee policy manual and a job description and performance merit goals, raises based on my productivity. That's not what it's like in this kingdom. You have been adopted as a member into God's family. This is a household, and now you, as a believer, are one of his children. And it's all legal, by the way. You're a member of the redeemed mass of the saints. By election, by baptism, by new birth, by promise, and by adoption. All by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's you, Christian. As Christians, that's our common ground. Individually members, one of another. The church is a unified body with Christ at the head. And at Hayden Bible Church, we're one of the local expressions of his body. Having been made members of the body of Christ through the gospel, your life then is to reflect the truth of that membership So let's zoom in a little bit closer to church life. Remember throughout Acts we see the river of the spirit enlivened word flowing out of God's temple. The temple not made with hands. Flowing out of the temple as the saints proclaimed the word. And as the word spread the kingdom grew and souls were added to the membership of the body in Acts 2 verse 41 3000 souls like we've already mentioned in Acts 2:47 the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved in Acts 5:14 multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number The community of the faithful grows and everyone who is being saved is called out to live out their citizenship in a community of believers. We're the one another city, individually members, one of another. Members devoted to fellowship, accountable to each other, subject to God's ordained under shepherd leadership and serving as healthy members, each part Properly working together for what the building up of the body here at Hayden Bible Church and many other places are formal church membership, like the the class starting today that 's full, and the, also the next one that 's starting after that that 's already full that that formal church membership is designed to facilitate these types of purposes in your Christianity. Devotion, accountability, and service for God's design of his church. So first of all, let's look at devotion. Members of the local church are devoted members. Members of the local church, the local church like Hayden Bible Church, we are devoted members. By coming into membership here as a member of Christ's body, like we've discussed, you are committing to the building up of this body in love. That's your commitment. In fact, Paul in Romans 12.10, he says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Committing to fellowship, saying the, to the assembly believers of, of believers here at Hayden Bible Church, you're saying, I'm staying here through formal membership. Saying that as an outward display of your devotion. Are you committed this morning? Are you devoted to this body? Are you devoted to one another in brotherly love? If you're not committed, how can you be the one another city? How can you encourage one another day after day if you're not devoted to this fellowship? How can you stimulate one another to love and good deeds if you will only live out your Christianity as separate? How can you live in harmony with one another? if you're not in proximity to one another? How can you bear one another's burdens by yourself on a mountain where you say you can have church? How can you be a one another Christian if you're not here? If you're not going to be here? If every time someone slightly offends you, you go find another church? Guys, this isn't about coming to a program and then going home. This is real church. We stumble sometimes and fall flat on our faces, and we need each other to encourage us to continue in the faith, to to help us up and keep growing. To open our Bibles and learn how to stand on promises. In the one another city, by the grace of God, you are needed here. We're the real bride of Christ making ourselves ready. where you and I are devoted to one another's spiritual growth in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and, until we mature into his image. What if you came home one day and your spouse said, Honey, you know, I like being married and everything, but it's, I just like to live like we're divorced. I know we're joined into this one flesh relationship designed by God as the most intimate and profound relationship among all his creation. I just don't want to live like that. It's too hard. I'm not that committed. I I don't want to be devoted. Maybe we could just be married over the phone. (laughs) Honey, I'm drunk with myself, so how can I care about you? Actually, I know a variation of that has happened to some of you. Here's what Christ's love looks like. In Romans 5 8, Paul writes, and he says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Loving devotion says, I will actively and sacrificially pursue the best interests and needs of another. I'm talking about our fellowship. I'm a one another citizen in the one another city, and I'm here we should be saying to ourselves. My formal membership is is my commitment to biblical fellowship. As you know, instead of getting married, many just decide to live together in case something goes wrong. You can just leave. Never really committing to the relationship, thereby robbing others of the fullness of God's design of devotion and accountability and service, commitment to build each other up in love. Commitment to speak the word to each other. Devotion to the body. You know, many of us have experienced profound fellowship, haven't we? When Carla and I were, Carlina and I were in the earlier stages of raising kids, we, I don't know how many kids we had. A lot. Three or four maybe at that time. We experienced the sweetest fellowship of our lives. Our family and and maybe three or four other families, we were always together. We went to church together. We had small groups together. We celebrated birthdays together. We hunted and fished together. We encouraged each other in the word together. It was all centered on Christ and his kingdom. Like many of you today, our lives... Our schedules revolved around fellowship. This church setting isn't a place for any of us to come only for our spiritual experience. It's a place devoted to each one's maturing into the image of Christ. That's why you're here. You're here to help me mature. To grow up in all aspects into Him, is that why you're here? I, I really hope so, because I'm trusting that when you entered formal membership here, that you take that very really seriously. Because I don't want to mess around. This is real. I don't want to be stuck like this forever. And I know you feel the same way. I want to grow. Next, in the one another city, God's church is the place of accountability. Accountability. Members of the local church are accountable members. First of all, we see in Scripture the pattern is that the church grew. As the church grows, so grows the stewardship of God's under-shepherds. 1 Peter uh, 5, Peter reminds us that these under-shepherds Uh, have a stewardship. He says, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. God commands that the elders shepherd the church. God has designed the daily operations of his church, the membership of his church, to be shepherded by men appointed to this responsibility, this stewardship to elders. As the numbers are added to the church, so does that responsibility increase. And and that shepherding takes place primarily through the ministry of the word to the saints. And, of course, that carries a great responsibility. And we're going to learn way more about eldership and other aspects of accountability, including church discipline, as our series continues. But before we move on to our third item, service, I want you to know that accountability in the Christian life, in the one another city, isn't just something the elders take care of. It's not just somebody for, something for someone else. I Take a look at Galatians 6. Verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, Brethren, did you hear that first word? Brethren, that's you and me. Even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Can you hear Fellowship in there. Can you hear accountability in there? Notice that, at least from this passage, we know from many others that God intends that holiness and purity be the mark of his church. And you and I, brethren, by his design and under the convicting ministry of the Spirit, are part of of this process of maturing one another, of walking in cleanness before the Lord, shining his light as brilliantly as possible. Notice he says, You who are spiritual restore such a one in Galatians 6. You are spiritual. One another accountability is based on a spiritual instead of fleshly foundation. And then also notice that the accountability in this case intends for there to be restoration, not condemnation for the one who's stumbled, and that one another ministry is to be with a spirit of gentleness as well, not abrasiveness, not hurtfulness, not meanness, watching out for ourselves as well. We don't want to end up in sin along with the one that we're loving on, do we? Paul says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. In terms of accountability, in the one another city, the word says that we teach and admonish one another. We speak the truth, God's word, to one another. We outdo one another in showing honor. Isn't it easy if you look through scripture to see that the church is the one another city and and accountability can only be lived out in the close fellowship of body life? We have to be together. That's God's design. Finally, members of the church are serving members. Serving members. Serving members through comforting, through care, through hospitality, through encouragement, through stirring up, through teaching, through admonishing, through exhorting. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, he writes and says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Again in 1 Peter 4, 4.10, Peter writes and says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In fact, in the church, the world knows that we are Christ's disciples as we love each other, sacrificially, preferring our brother or sister over and above ourselves. Are you committed to serving here? Do your outward interests, maybe your passions, maybe even your job, maybe your kids' activities, maybe even your fears, do they pull you away from the one another life that God has designed in his church? Could you make a change in your life that would better allow for God's design for your membership in his church? We've all, here at Hayden Bible Church, we're constantly blessed by the service of each other, even today, the service of each other in this specific body of believers. And I wanted to just close here with a, a passage from Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews writes and says, Beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation. Though we are speaking this way, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish. But imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Because God's church is the one another city. All right, let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the truth of your word that you've brought us into your design for fellowship, for your design for interpersonal ministry, for service accountability, devotion to one another, Lord, in this body. Father, I pray that each one here, as we consider the scriptures shared today, Lord, that those scriptures would be the truth that we live out. I thank you so much for the work that you've already done here, Lord. What a bright, shining place to see the way the saints at Hayden Bible Church serve you. And Lord, we pray that that would happen even all the more so that you would receive all the more glory, Lord, as we walk out your design for your church in terms of membership and the duties of our membership, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.